This week on the Sport Blokes. This week, the Wildcats still suck. Damian Lillard doesn't quite seem himself in the court of public opinion. How much is a million bugs? And let's be honest, India are still winning the World Cup. Oh, we had a lot of fun this week. It's going to be a long one, but it's great. Let's go. It's 7.23 on Thursday, the 2nd of November, 2023. It's been about a week and a half since we last recorded. Mary Fowler and Nathan Cleary are official, and boy, do we hope it works so that they can produce super athletes to run around with Alyssa Healy and Mitch Stark's future kids, hopefully. Remember your whole Shane Warne? Uh, well, yes. The, uh, the, we won't go into eugenics too far, but we like it when professional athletes yeah, make, but uh, we're not forcing them to, but it's, it's a fine line. Talking about Warney and Elise Perry yeah. for a while. Yeah. I'm warning anyone, basically. <laughs> Speaking of the Matildas, massive crowds watched it here in Perth a couple of times over the past few days in massive wins over the Philippines and Chinese Taipei. Congratulations to the South African Springboks and Texas Rangers, respectively. The Springboks narrowly beat the All Blacks to take the Rugby World Cup, while the Rangers did it more easy in the World Series, their first ever, beating Arizona four games to one. Skims have become the official underwear partner of the NBA, except they're not the ones with the fake nipples, sadly. Shame. Maybe they could be the WNBA. It, well, that's a possibility too. The, the leagues kind of sit under the same umbrella, don't yeah. they? So Tyson didn't unleash the fury so much as hold on against Nagano in, in a somewhat controversial bout. Yowies are definitely real and splitting balls in half in remote Queensland. And will freak golf cart accidents and personal matters derail Australia's Cricket World Cup resurgence? These are just a few of the things we'll cover today. And for others, that's as far as we'll go. Unless you have any more thoughts on the fake nipples, Chewy. You did mention the WNBA there. Oh, look, I don't mind them. But, you know, no. I, I did see the little report on that. Who was it? It was, was the, re, the real face of it. It was... Kim Kardashian. It was her company. Oh, I'm thinking of something completely different. I who was It was something I saw on the NBA today. Where somebody was the, you know, the, 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 oh, the sleeves, the sleeves. Yeah. Someone became the face of those. But oh, okay. That's not the fake. That's nipples. not the underwear. No, no. Well, there's no fake nipples in the NBA either. That was just an attempt at oh, humor. No, but <laughs> no, I mean, we assume that. No, that's wow. I completely missed the ball on that one. My apologies. Now we'll be going from one court to another in one of our favorite segments, which returns after a month or so as well with some absolute doozies. As always, please check the timestamps. I'm joined by my partner in crime. I can already tell you've had a couple of bevies and you're jolly and enjoying life. How are you, Stewie? Oh, mate, can't complain. Beautiful sunset over Cottesloe today. Yes, the, yes, the summer's here. Frivolity by the by the many. Very good. I don't think that made any sense. Oh, no, that's close. Yeah, we'll run with it. Yeah, that, that, that works. Maybe that's our title. There we go. Frivolity by the many. <laughs> Brendan Frivolity. So, opening bounce, jump in, mate. Well, look, I think it's well and truly established that we do like a good name on this show. I think I may have found one to top them all. No. There's Reece a, Topley them all? Re, well, no, he's injured. He's so, the Cup's done, yes. yes. Yep. No, there's a guard playing for Hutchison Community College this year named A Million Bugs. Awesome. A Million Bugs. Yeah, that's <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, that's good. Like it's, it. it's right up there with some of these ones we see in the college football. One of the absolute crackers. Now, the other thing I did want to just quickly get into, because I know you've got a bit of NFL this week. We had a Scorigami, Nate. We did. We did. We did. The Cowboys' 43-20 win over the Rams was indeed the 1,079th Scorigami in NFL history. Good yeah. Times. It's been an interesting season. A lot of teams hovering around 500. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, I can talk a little bit more about that when you handball to me. Handball now. Quick Oh, give. now. Okay. Quick well. give. 
Well, I'll continue with that NFL initially, obviously. So the trade deadlines passed without too much fanfare, as usual in the NFL, it's got to be said. It was a ghastly Halloween for Josh McDaniels, the coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. They've sacked him as well as their GM. Antonio Pierce will be the 12th different person to coach their team over the past 20 seasons. That's not good. Unsurprisingly, that is the most in that time. Nearly one every season and a half, I guess that average is out to be. It'd be really interesting to see how that compares to the other major sports in America, like... There's some teams in the NBA I know of that have had quite a few, but 12 and 20 is a lot. And that's maybe one we could look at. Yeah. ESPN Analytics gave the New York Giants a 99.9% chance of winning in their derby and rare derbies they are, being in different conferences against the Jets with one minute 19 left on the clock in the fourth and the ball on the Jets 20. The Jets ended up winning 13-10 in OT. Some poor coaching decisions there. In better news, Aussie Cam Johnson now holds the record for the longest punt ever recorded in the history of the Houston Texans at 74 yards. Not bad. Very good. This is one of these things, I guess. We all get brought up playing AFL, or certainly a lot of us do anyway. And A lot of these guys have massive levers on them. And I mean, 74 We've seen a lot of guys that probably could have gone over there and done even better. Oh, there's more and more. It's happening more and more. There are guys in college. It's it's just going to continue. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And flag football is coming into the Olympics. We might get a few. We've had some linemen and uh, my and stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it would just be interesting to see if we see more Aussies playing different positions other than linemen or kicker. Uh, a couple of other things. 30th of October was a sports equinox in the States with all four major sports playing the same day. Just the 30th time it's ever happened in its history. I think we talked about one during COVID when the schedules were all a bit we funny. We did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that wasn't so long ago. There was one NFL game, one MLB game. Obviously, they were in their uh, championship series. Nine NHL and 11 NBA games. So there you go. And I just want to mention, like, I know we talked about people sucking at trivia. And I didn't kind is this, of... Is this me you're referring to? No, no. Well, I, I didn't I didn't kind of connect the dots because obviously I talked about that last week, the uh, Wheel of Fortune, oh, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I want to distinguish the two because I feel like us getting some answers wrong is a bit more difficult when it's pretty much spelled out for oh, you. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, to not know Quentin Tarantino, exactly. Thank that's you. a joke. Seriously. I'm, I'm glad you agreed. I do. Now, you have one more thing, if I'm not mistaken. I did, yeah. So I was just having a really, really nice dinner with a couple of mates of mine from work, and we kind of got talking a little bit about the UFC. There's this big thing going on where the UFC is actually getting rid of a partnership with USADA, who are one of the main sort of drug testing companies out there. And they've basically opened the floodgates effectively. And there's this big talk of, is everyone taking steroids starting as of January? And there's this big hoo-ha about pretty much everyone in the UFC, if they're not getting tested, I mean... It's going to basically create an absolute shit show of people just taking as many steroids as they can, getting as big as they can. And then dying of a heart attack a couple of years later. I mean, that's a distinct possibility. Yeah, that's why it's a bit of a worry, really. Well, it is. It is. And it obviously then creates this whole just, I don't know, just a a crazy new category, I guess, of UFC of just these super mega ultra heavyweights. And it kind of got me thinking. And one of the guys that I was chatting with, shout out to Sibs from Melbourne, he was saying one of the things that would actually be quite fun is kind of have alternate Olympics. So have the regular Olympics running every four years as per normal, but then every second year kind of just run a steroids Olympic. So every second Olympic cycle or every second? Just every second year. Well, so like we've got obviously the Olympics coming up next year. Yep. So then in two years time, have a steroids. Oh, Olympic. okay. Right. Okay. So basically, yep. you know, you imagine opening that up to 
<laughs> I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, it does open up a lot oh, of, it, a lot of yeah, health issues. Yeah, they can't do it. It's could, just not possible. Like, could you imagine weightlifting? Oh yeah, the yeah. wrestling, yeah, all of that yeah. sort of stuff, guys. Just... Table ten. Oh no, maybe not. <laughs> Synchronized doping. <laughs> Synchronized doping would be quite a fun. I was going to say the break dancing, but that that's coming out again, isn't it? Break yeah, dancing, it's very short lived. That would be pretty sick. Yeah, there'd be so many sports that would be kind of interesting to watch if it was just an absolute free for all with the steroids. I think as a viewer, it would be kind of interesting. Obviously, yeah, I mean, it's it's not. Unfortunately, it's it's a hypothetical, isn't it? It's because there's fraught. no way they could possibly endorse this due to the health <laughs> it's, implications. It's fraught with danger. It's fraught with a lot of yeah, a lot of those issues medically. But fuck, it would be great fun. conversation. It would be so much fun to watch. <laughs> to the weightlifting, like, oh, here's the the weightlifter from New Zealand trying to lift Jupiter. <laughs> you know, he's going for an, a new record of seventy three billion tons of rock. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you might you might need to give that one a bit more thought. On that note. So tons of basketball, Shuey. The NBA season is about a week old. We've been champing at the bit and we look forward to talking about that. First things first, though, and this obviously, it's not NBA per se, but it's as close as possible. So rest in peace to Bobby Knight. He won a national title as a player on the John Havlicek and Jerry Lucas-led Ohio State team in 1960s. Stacked team. It sure was. And then as a coach with the Indiana Hoosiers in 1976, 81 and 87, he, of course, is probably most well-known or in many circles for his aggression and throwing that chair and that issue with the Indiana students and the kind of meant that he ended up at Texas Tech. So obviously not a perfect individual by any stretch of the imagination, but a great basketball mind and was a massive fan of Michael Jordan before many. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people kind of missed the boat on Jordan. He was very much one of those guys who saw it coming and, in hindsight, it's easy to look at it and go, well, how did you miss that? But well, there, was, there was other guys out there. Elijah one was pretty spectacular well, when, that's he, right, when that's he came right. in. I love, love, love the Barstool Sports quote that you've got here. Though. Yes, yeah, okay. So he said, when my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want them to bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my ass. So, which is kind of the attitude he had. Now, I've got to say, probably my favourite sports book of all time is A Season on the Brink about Bobby Knight and his Indiana Hoosiers. It's a really interesting read. It it deals with players that were in the NBA and players that he'd coached previously. So I, I thoroughly recommend it to any NBA tragics, actually, or and NCAA tragics for that matter, too. Mm. Yeah, so sadly, uh, his time has passed, but a, a terrific career. I mean, and a good knock as well, let's be honest. Yeah, and I, he was dealing with some dementia, too, so yeah. probably not a great quality of life at the end, unfortunately. Oh, but look, Anytime you get into the 80s, that's a pretty decent run. Yes, yes, indeed, yes. Yeah. So, start of the season, we've got to talk about the trade first, though, right? Well, you called it, Nath. I kind of said that maybe the Clippers missed the boat by turning back a trade request involving Terrence Mann, and you kind of rightly pointed out, well, you know what? If the Sixers are kind of desperate to get rid of him, maybe the Clippers hold all the cards, and you were right, absolutely. So, have you got the details there? Let's go through them. I do. So, the Sixers trade James Harden, PJ Tucker, and Philippe Petrosev to the Clippers for Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nick Batum, KJ Martin Jr., 2028 unprotected first-round pick, two second-round picks, 2029 pick swap, and an additional first-round pick that will be routed from OKC. That is a yeah, pretty- just as usual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, OKC had to get involved. Oh, their logo just about has to be a pick, I think. You know what I mean? It's getting out of control. <laughs> 
We should really start our own football team. Imagine how many picks we'd get. Yeah, well, it's true. Yeah, yeah you could start a whole team with your next few years of picks. But look, it's a massive trade, obviously. It does potentially change the entire dynamic of both conferences. Yeah, what yeah, you, true. What are your thoughts? True. Well, so obviously, like I said, the, the Clips were basically outbidding themselves, and so it, it kind of makes sense. It's really interesting that they managed to keep a hold of Terrence Mann and... Powell as well, Norman Powell for that matter. You would have thought that Philly would have definitely wanted at least one of them. I wonder if it's maybe to do with the fact that it means that the 76ers will have 50 to $65 million in cap room next season because they're all expiring and, contracts. And that's a really key part. It makes me wonder if that was the idea all I along. They so. decided that the, the cap space was more important than guys like Terrence Mann. I love KJ Martin. I think he's a really good young piece and he could, could provide a, an interesting piece for them. The other older guys, I don't know if they'll keep all of them. They might keep two out of the three. Nick Batum is probably the one I would keep the most out of those three. That's just my personal preference. Uh, but yeah, they might be able to get a pick or something for one of the other guys to a contender. I, I don't know. That's that's an interesting one. The Clippers, I don't know. I, I think, well, actually, let's start with Philly. What, what do you think about Philly? Oh, look, I agree entirely. I think if you look at the fact that they're getting all of these guys back that are all expiring, and not only is there the option to potentially package a few of those, plus they've got three tradable draft picks ranging, I think, all the way up to 2030. There's a lot of opportunities for them to potentially pull the trigger on another really massive trade before the trade deadline or sometime before the end of the season. Well, that's right. So that massive cap room could be used to bring in a Siakam, for example. And and, this and in the core of Embiid, Siakam and Maxi is really good. It has a bigger medium and a small. Well, I mean, if you look at the amount of guys that are potentially available at the end of this season or potentially before then. So Siakam's a guy you've mentioned. OG Ananobi has a player option next season. So he might be one that Toronto looks to move off. You've got Buddy Heald's a really good option. Adds an amazing three-point shooter. DeMar Rosen's out of contract at the end of the season mm-hmm. as well. It's an interesting one. So there's a lot of guys that they could potentially move around. Ironically, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook all have player options at the end of this season. Hmm. So there's so many different guys. I mean, they're going to have to pay Tyrese Maxey, obviously. Although I don't think they're going to have to pay him quite as much as they would if he went out onto the open market. So there's, there's a lot of really, really good options, I guess, available for for the Sixers. And it maybe puts a dampener on the Embiid to Knicks rumours too. Potentially, yeah. Especially if they can bring in another guy, a good player with that cap room. Yeah, and obviously it's worth mentioning that they've still got Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris to go with whoever else they pair with Embiid. So I reckon I want to hold on to Maxey, but I guess it depends what they can, what they could get. They have to. Yeah, because they'll, yeah, they've made it pretty clear that that's probably their goal. Yeah, I think they'll pay less than what they would have to if he, as I say, if they went onto the open market he'd probably command maybe another $10 million a season. So I think they're, they're actually going to get him at a pretty decent sort of price. For the Clippers, I think obviously the fit ultimately comes down to how well the team's performing. We've seen Harden kind of play that diva role with a number of teams now. If things are going well, obviously it's kumbaya, everything's happy. But we've seen what happens with Harden once things get a little bit tricky and they maybe lose a few games. I like the idea of Harden or Westbrook kind of playing a lot of minutes with the second unit. Can I, just before you go further with yeah, that, it's, it's not even just about winning games though. If he's not ha- happy with the amount of touches he's getting, if he's not happy with, so it's not even just about winning and losing, I don't, but yeah. No, it's it's a fair call. I mean, he's, look, he's gone on the record and said he's happy to kind of drop the usage a little bit for a championship. He's going to have to, yeah. But it's easier said than done, yeah, obviously. Yeah. We'll, we'll wait and see, but... 
But yeah, I mean, I think if you look at the second unit or the, I guess the secondary unit with Terrence Mann, PJ Tucker, Bones Highland, Mason Plumley, they're not exactly scrubs. You know, you no, add, not at all. You add a Westbrook or a Harden, who are guys that in the past have led teams of scrubs to, well, Harden led one of them to the conference finals. Westbrook went fairly close a couple of times. So, you know, these guys are used to dragging those teams of lesser likes and lesser known players to pretty high levels. So, you know, we could see potentially those guys playing with that second unit and doing really well. Well, they're going to have to, at least one of them is going to have to be playing a bit with the second unit regardless, I think. I, I look, I, my thoughts on Harden are really clear. I'm not going to change them now. I wouldn't touch him with a 50-foot clown pole, even if he was a cheaper contract. But the fact that he's a max contract, it makes it even worse. Those player options are really interesting with the Clippers. I didn't realize that. I I don't love it for the Clippers. I Obviously, they're stacked and it will be a great NBA 2K team. It would be fantastic if you don't have to think about things like chemistry and human beings and that sort of thing. But we are in the real world here. I thought the Clippers... So I've, I've watched all the Spurs games and we'll talk about our team shortly. I thought the Clippers looked amazing against us. They absolutely spanked us by 40. Now, obviously, we're going to be a probably a bottom five team this season. But I thought that Kawhi and George looked pretty good coexisting. Mm. And I feel like they're going to have to go through an entire chemistry experiment all over again. Kawhi's a really high usage guy. George is a high usage guy. Westbrook has adapted a little bit. Harden's definitely a high usage guy. And the stats bear out that he's not a big catch and shoot three-point shooter either, which is probably what he'd need to be on this team. So look, I, I tend to think that the Clippers had a better chance before the trade. And obviously that was always contingent on health and it always will be. But I thought they were looking all right at the start of the season. And now, I don't know. All right, I'll put it this way. Here's, here's a number that I saw. Since the George and Leonard trades, or the since they sign in, the Clippers haven't had a player average more than six assists a game. James Harden has been double figures for how many years now? He's a willing passer. I think he's a guy that kind of understands that he's not going to be a guy that averages 30 a game like he did with Houston. I like the the whole idea of them having this incredible... You think about the, the final couple of minutes. Harden, George, Leonard, all elite three-point shooters. Tucker shoots corner threes at a really high level. And then Terrence Mann's even shooting it at 39% across his entire career. Oh, I love Terrence Mann. But flip side of that, they all want to take the final shot too. Yeah, oh, look, I mean, I, I think with that, you then, I guess you take Westbrook out of the equation in terms of him jacking up those shots. But you've also got three guys that are very, very capable of taking and making those big shots. It's very much, as I said last week, it's a very much win-now move. Oh, big time. They don't have their own first-round pick until 2030 now. Yep. And I don't, oh, and I they're don't, really doubling down for that new stadium. And I don't think they care because I think they're well, looking... Well, clearly, they... I mean, if you look at it and you go, we've got four future, probably first ballot Hall of Famers. I mean, you kind of almost got to take the chance and roll the dice and say, we're a good chance here. We're as good a chance as any. They've got, I guess, movable parts within that, that five. I mean, if they're playing Denver, Zubach will play... They've got that big guy to go against Jokic. If they're playing against a team that maybe doesn't have a dominant center, they play with Tucker. They play almost like a five out and kind of have guys doing their own thing, really. It's a really, really interesting and tantalizing move. And I think it completely shakes up the Western Conference. So are they? So you think they're better than they were before? I do. So where do you put them? Probably top four. I think, I mean, only maybe only moves them up a spot or two because I think I had them 
well, I can't remember actually where I had them when I did the predictions with Robbie, but I think it was... I can't remember either. Yeah, I don't know. I think it moves them up around that top four. I mean, you've got to look at it. I know basketball's not played on paper, but you've well, got... Well, that's right. <laughs> but again, you've got Harden, George, and Leonard, those three alone, incredibly elite... George and Leonard, as we've said, and Terrence Mann are top level defenders as well. well. And, that, and Harden, and that's where it does work. And I've talked about this a little bit when the rumors were there. He can kind of be hidden a little bit because yeah. they are so good defensively otherwise. Exactly. So yeah. look, I, I think this is a trade that works for both teams. And it's really, really nice when you get those trades where, you know, obviously Philly get rid of a guy who didn't want to be there. They get a whole bunch of pieces that are expiring that they can use for trades to tool and uh, retool and kind of up talent their team. But the Clippers get someone who, again, is in win now mode. All of those guys are over 30. They're all guys that kind of want to win in the next couple of years before they really start declining. I think it's a really, really fun trade. I love it. Oh, it's great for those of us who are fans of the league and aren't supporting the teams. Yeah. <laughs> in my opinion, if I was a Clippers fan, I'd be pissed, but. I hate James Harden. I like this. Zito at underscore Zeets tweeted, Harden and Westbrook back together at the lowest time in their careers like two people who make a pact to get married if they were still single at 40. Did you ever do that? Uh, no. I did. No. I, I had I had girls say it to me and I said, no, fuck off. If you don't want me now, I don't want you at 40. Oh, look, I mean, I... Took, I don't want to be anyone's second choice. I took what I could get. <laughs> <laughs> I, I looked it back then and went, you know what? Like, eh, there's no guarantees. But uh, no, you get it signed, and they're like, You're gonna try and cash it. Didn't get it signed, but uh, you know, shout out to undisclosed female who who is happily in a relationship, and I'm obviously happily married. So, indeed, good times for all of us. Good times, yeah. So, I don't know about you, Stewie, but I have watched all the Spurs games. We'll talk about our teams a little bit, we'll be a little bit kind of uh, I guess, focusing on the teams we support, and they are interesting and exciting teams and their storylines too. I've seen all four Spurs games. I reckon I've seen just about as many Spurs games already this season as I did all of last season. That's a bit of an exaggeration, but it's not far oh, off. Fair enough. Let's be honest. There wasn't really much to watch for the last couple of years. Watching a lot of other teams in the last few seasons. Go ahead, mate. You talk about the Spurs. What have you seen? I've really enjoyed it. I think they're an interesting team to watch. And obviously there's major growing pains that will happen, but I think they're entertaining. Obviously there's the Wemby effect. There's some other entertaining players. Devin Vassell has definitely taken that next jump as I predicted. He's looking really good. Uh, the Jeremy Sohan is always an interesting piece, the one-handed shots. So there's a lot there. There's a lot there that's interesting, but yeah, I, I've, I've thought Wemby's uh, evolution's quite an interesting thing. He took a lot of shots in that first game and he took quite a number of threes. And I think the problem is that he can basically shoot over anyone at any time. And so other players don't have that luxury. And so one of the challenges for him is working out what are the good shots and what are the shots he should be taking because anything is open, kind of. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So that's really interesting. Defensively, he's an absolute beast and there's a lot of stuff he does that doesn't show on the stat sheet. He's in the passing lanes. He's guys are afraid to shoot over him. That Phoenix game, the fourth one, is the first time I've actually seen guys hit shots over him. I saw both Kevin Durant and who was it? I want to say Eric Gordon, who hit shots over his outstretched arm. Prior to that, no one was hitting them and they were all bricking them. So that's clearly uh, uh, an interesting thing there as well. But he's humble. They, they're clearly playing for each other. They, they clearly like playing with one another, which is a really good sign. He's definitely helped in the wins. We don't win either of those games without him. He was really good against Houston down the stretch to force overtime and and in overtime. Obviously, he was really good down the stretch against Phoenix as well. He hit that massive three and then he had that put back. 
Did you think KD was fouled, by the way, on that no. play? No, I don't either. The no. Suns fans can we'll, get fucked. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. I, I do want to talk about that. But... Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Like a few people have noted that he was kind of lambasted by a pop, but I've got a quote here. I forgot one play. It's 100% legitimate for him to yell at me in that moment. I apologize to him after the game. Another quote, you know, he's everything I expected and even more. It's just as a human being first, it's certain things that are really important for me, my relations, and he's just present at all times. It's comforting. That was Wemby on Pop. And he even cut a press conference short because he wanted to go out to dinner with Pop. So clearly they forged a really good relationship early. Total Spurs culture guy, much like Tim Duncan would get chewed out. So yeah, the signs are really good. Two and two. Geez, probably could have won that Dallas game and they're 4-0 too. It was just a, a typical young team that couldn't execute down the stretch. Yep. So yeah, the, the signs are decent. We might finish a little bit higher than I initially thought, but we'll still obviously be in that kind of bottom five to eight. Yeah, I, I would say. It's really interesting. And I think the really obvious thing with this team, they're going to have some amazing wins like the Phoenix game. They're going to have some hideous losses. Like the Clippers game. Like the Clippers game. And and look, a couple of things there. So a very young team with a free Saturday night in LA. Yeah. That can lead to a 40-point loss. (laughs) And again, this is games aren't played in 2K. There's real life going on. And and, and the other thing, of course, is the Suns did have a couple of key blokes out in Booker and and Beal. So, you know, it is what it is in that regard. But, I mean, that obviously comes with the territory. The the biggest thing for me with Wemby, and, and he knows this as well, he just needs to slow down a bit. And obviously he's excited. He's in the league now. It's been a very long time coming. He's already mentioned he watches Kevin Durant, how he kind of never seems rushed, which is kind of ironic after what happened at the end of that game. <laughs> yes. But we've already seen massive glimpses in terms of what his size and his skill set brings, which, I mean, it can only be exciting. We know that the first game, obviously there are a few issues with the whistle. He's going to get used the to fouls, yeah. yeah, He'll yeah. get used to how the game's officiated and, how players are going to try and really push into him and draw those fouls. Can I ask a question? Do you think there's been some defensive schemes where Pops had him in a 1-2-2 zone, for example, mm-hmm. or a 2-1-2 zone where he's kind of in the middle? He's a menace in the passing lanes, but do you reckon that's to try and protect him from fouls a little bit as well, maybe down low? Because you're less likely to get, I don't know, I wonder if that plays in or if they're just still kind of working out. It could be a factor. I mean, I think Pop probably just wants to try as many things as possible to see what works. And and I, st- I still don't think he's run a play for him yet either. Oh, probably so not. they're still really, really working it out. He probably doesn't need to. So yeah, look, it's exciting, obviously, watching the start to Wemby's career. As you mentioned, Dev Vassell, he looks absolutely like an all-star there's Keldon Johnson. He's an absolute stud as well. Yep. Great solid backup minutes from Shetty Osman. Yeah, look, I gotta, I gotta admit, he has looked fantastic. He has. Even Zach Collins looked awesome. He's a completely different guy. Oh, I loved Zach Collins in college. He just couldn't stay healthy, so he always had the potential. He's just got to stay out there on the park. He's the elder statesman at 25. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> he really is. And I'll tell you one other thing. I love Trey Jones. Yes, I'm a massive fan. I think he's incredibly underrated. Him yes. as him as the point guard on that team as very much a pass-first guy with Vassell, with Johnson, and with Wemby, that creates really, really big headaches for a lot of teams. So I, I really like him as as the main sort of starting point guard. And a lot of people have noted that Wemby's looked better with Jones on the court. Yes. And I think the closing five at times in that Phoenix game, for example, was Jones there playing point guard yep. and Collins was the odd man out. Yep. So, yeah. And that's going to happen. But How do you feel about the Sohan point guard experiment? Oh, look, I mean, again, there's no expectations on the Spurs. This is the time you try this stuff. You've got kind of a couple of years to really iron out and figure out what 
is going to be the best way to move forward. And then come like 2025, 2026, that's when that's kind of when they're at where OKC is now, yep. where the pressure is now on to perform. You've had the time and put up or shut up time, basically. I like this Sohan experiment. I'm a big fan of his defensively as well. Part of me wonders if it keeps our wins down a little bit if we yeah. don't have the pure point guard, which is, you know. But uh, yeah, no, look, I've really enjoyed it. I'm not rooting for us to lose. I'm just there to enjoy the ride. Yeah. And, and Wemby clearly hates losing. So I think there will be pressure on the organization to be pretty good by 25, kind of like to be the, honest. Like the Giannis sort of expectations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, which is great because you want guys that want to win. You don't want to lose in culture. Mm. So, yeah, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Now, I did want to just pause. I did mention this earlier on. Obviously, the Kevin Durant and, and Spurs, well, the, the Phoenix and San Antonio game. Ah, oh, yes, yep. So you asked the question, did he get fouled? No, I don't think he did. And the league's come out and said, no, you know what? We didn't make a mistake there. There was no foul. Yeah, I watched it a few times. I don't think it was a foul. You can protect the ball. It often gets overlooked, though, how much Durant kind of drifts in and out of games, and especially in some of these really big moments. I go back, I can't remember how long ago it was, but we spoke about a particular game where OKC were playing Orlando. Durant misses a jump shot and kind of watches as Orlando go three on one, game-winning dunk to Tobias Harris, and he's just kind of standing there just over half court. In this one, I think a lot of people have noticed this. He absolutely fell asleep. So Vassell takes the three to try and tie the game. Wemby basically wanders past No him. one put a body on him, yep. One did. Yep. But it was Durant's guy. Yep. And, and so, the easiest putback you'll ever see. Exactly. No one within probably three or four feet of him. And then on the inbounds pass, they put a hard double on him. They had a timeout. Yeah, I couldn't remember if they did. Yeah, right. They did. Yeah. Because yeah. they called a timeout directly after the bucket. Right, that's the right. Cuts. They did too, because they still had a little bit of time on the clock. That's right. And now look, that's just as much on the coaches as it is on KD. He's got to know that situation, but obviously the coaches should know it as well. But you think about that. If that was Russell Westbrook, imagine the grilling he would get for that. Oh, of course. You know, so just because it's Durant, he kind of gets away with a lot of that sort of stuff and doesn't really cop the same sort of grilling as a lot of other guys do. And I, I just, I'm not sure that's right. Obviously, an incredible win for the Spurs, but as a Suns fan, you'd be pretty disappointed. If oh, you would. Puts a body on Wembenyama from the start. They get the rebound. The game's over. Even with those guys. Well, not to mention the fact they are up by 20. Well, there's that too. And that's the other thing I really like is that it would have been really easy for the team to roll over having lost to the Clippers by 40 a couple of nights before or one night before or whatever it was and just shit the bed again against another good team. And they didn't do that. And they got down by 20 and they stayed in it and they pulled out a win. So that's a really good sign because often those 40-point losses to a young team, I mean, that can lead to an eight-game losing streak very easily if they're not very confident and a bit delicate. So. Yeah, I really like the signs I've seen. Yeah. What about your Thunder? Well, similar sort of idea. I mean, there was, I can't remember who it was against, but the Thunder were down really big in one of the games early in the season, came back. I've kind of got mixed feelings about the Thunder right now. It's an interesting position we're in. So we're 12th in offensive rating, 19th in defensive rating. In fact, we're middle of the pack defensively for everything except for shot blocks. So, oh, Chet had a beautiful double-handed today. He, he Chase did. down. He, he did. <sighs> and, and obviously that's... I guess, one of the shining lights. It's lovely. But for a team with incredible playmaking like Giddy, I mean, we've seen some incredible, what are they calling him? Slob. Slob wizard. (laughs) That's that's a horrible name. Not great. But we're bottom third for assist percentage. Right. So a lot of it is still Shea getting the ball and kind of going off and doing his own thing. Look, we're shooting the ball pretty well. 
three and two records probably about right. We've beat, yeah. beaten the teams we should beat, and we've lost to the teams we probably should lose to. I saw a, a fair bit of that game against Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, it was a great typical result. young team, isn't it? Yeah. It, it, sometimes looking amazing, sometimes looking pretty dire. Shoot the three with confidence, but again, kind of like the Spurs, you know, we're we're really not that far ahead of you. We are still super young. We're still trying to figure it out. You've got Chet Holmgren and Cason Wallace. Both have only played five games. I would like to see a little bit more of guys like Trey Mann and Davis Bertans, but still very, very early days. And there's still a lot to be excited about. I picked the Thunder to win. I think it was 43 games this season. I kind of stand by that number. 500 feels about right. I yeah. think maybe just over that 500 is probably about where we are right now. Yeah, cool. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so obviously I haven't seen as much of them. I've seen bits of a couple of games and I've watched some highlights. Giddy's looking really good, which is fantastic. And he's taking his opportunities. So yeah, I think you're right. I think they're probably about on pace to to probably what I would have expected them to be at. I know you and I didn't do predictions. You did predictions on throwback hoops, but I managed to escape those, which yeah, was good. Yeah, you did well. Because <laughs> I hate. Look, it's a fool's errand. Yeah. I picked Scoot Henderson for rookie. Well, so did I when we a couple of episodes ago on our show. So. And he's been asked. Well, yeah, but and, you know, and he'll, he'll be fine. Yeah, sure. he will. He will. He's slowly picking it up, but yeah, yeah I mean, there's, there's no matter how well you do these things you're always going to look at the things you got wrong and there's going to be stuff that we just get blatantly wrong. That's it. So That's it. Yeah. Other news and notes, mate. I've got a couple here. Indiana Pacers, 100 assists so far are the most by any team after three games since 1988. And that's a really interesting thing because 1988, that was very much the freewheeling. Yes, just, yeah. I mean, teams were averaging 125 points a game. That was pretty bog standard really so did you see boston dropped like what 155 today yep oh. imagine scoring 104 and losing by more than 50 we're getting back to those days aren't we it's exciting I yeah mean, obviously that's how good the offensive basketball is nowadays and we're seeing a lot of scores in that 110 120 range but yeah 150 is a lot yeah it's a lot of points i haven't had a chance to see boston yet i don't know if you have not like entire games but i mean obviously we know they're stacked as long as they're healthy i don't see any reason why boston shouldn't be pushing to make the finals i've got them making the finals i think at this stage boston denver yeah yeah that's what i've got as well yeah, so, yeah. At this stage long way to go yeah, long way to go jalen duran is showing why i wanted the spurs to draft him a couple of years ago i think that was the jeremy sohan draft so it wasn't all bad hopefully it was that one and not the uh the guy I can't even remember now. The guy we waved, I've already forgotten about him. The dodgy one. Oh, the yeah, the French guy. Yeah, Jesus, I can't remember his name either. What's his was name? he French? Josh Primo. We just went to the third up. We did, we did. Canadian <laughs> or French Canadian? He could be French Canadian, but he's. I think he's from Toronto, so it doesn't matter. Uh, did you say that uh, Jimmy Butler missed the Heat's game against the Timberwolves on the third day of the season against his old team? That's a bit poor form. I believe the youngins are saying he's quote ducking the smoke. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. Because it is, isn't it? The Timberwolves are one of the teams that Jimmy has been very vocal about. I mean, there was that practice where... The famous story, he yeah. He basically called them trash. And yeah, he has not played them for a number of years now. Interesting. Mm. So last week it was the City Edition jerseys. This week it's the tournament courts. But do you have anything else before we go there? I mean, not really. Obviously, there's... Yeah, it's it's the first week and a half of the season. There's going to be, I guess, some outliers that we we maybe weren't expecting. I don't think anyone expected Dallas to be four and zero out of the blocks. I've really enjoyed watching Golden State as much as I guess the previous few years. I've not been a massive fan. Oh, interesting. I haven't seen much of them yet. Steph has been exceptional. Clay Thompson's looked pretty decent as well, which is really nice. 
So actually, that reminds me, Levine had a fifty-one, the first guy to do it without assists since Thompson did in twenty eighteen. I think it was. Yeah, and they lost to freaking Detroit. Yes. So, yeah. Well, Detroit looking alright, partly due to Jalen Duran, as I mentioned. Yeah. So that like Cleveland two and three probably didn't expect that. Miami one and four, bottom of the East probably didn't expect that. Shout out to Robbie. But it's absolutely early days, and but also shout out to Robbie, Atlanta three and two sitting third so yeah well that's right yeah you know there's a lot of things that we weren't expecting but it is very very early days and you see much of the lakers i saw their game against denver which was a really good one at the start of the season and then i saw the end of the fourth and overtime today they dodged a bullet a little bit i thought a lot of the clippers guys were fouling out at the start of overtime they dodged a bullet but then you could also say the clippers dodged a bullet because d'lo got an absolutely wide open three to win the game that's true left it short Paul George, 20 in the fourth. Very good. Paul George was spectacular in the fourth. Kawhi Leonard was amazing in the first. But obviously LeBron continues to defy oh, five time. Oh, incredible, isn't it? D'Angelo Russell's actually started playing decent ball as well. I mean, they did that without a number of players. So they were missing Rui Hashimura. They were missing Torian Prince. I don't think Gabe Vincent played. So I think that's a really, really big win for the Lakers, especially... I'm not saying that two and three is a disaster considering I think they were what two and eight or two and ten last they season. They started really poorly last season, yeah. So to be able to start the season three and two, it's a pretty decent start. You you wouldn't complain about that being a Lakers fan. And yeah, I'm look, it's wide open. It's it's fun, man. This is what I love about the NBA. I just remembered one more thing. Derek Lively the second. Oh my god. I How fun has he been? And he's partly that. why Dallas are four and oh. He has looked fantastic. He's like a mix between Tyson Chandler and Dan Gadzarich. <laughs> Jeez, that's a decent, that's a decent gadget reach. <laughs> well, it's because he's some facial features are somewhat similar. No, I, I, yeah, I he, and him. obviously he's a seven footer too. Yeah, no, yeah, he, he's he was, fantastic. He was really, really good in that Spurs game. I, I managed to watch a decent amount of that. I think he had what sixteen and probably about what ten boards. Yeah, so oh, he was fantastic. Yeah. He's he's been really good. He seems, very bouncy, very defensive. Seems to know what his role is, which I really like as well. He was really good against Chicago today as well. Seven and thirteen, six assists as well. So, and yeah. I think John Hollinger had him as high as like eighth or ninth on his big board or something. So that turns out to look like quite a big steal for the Mavs. It does. It does. Even at twelve, you know, it's still. Oh, was it only? T- oh, I only it, fell a few more. You can, okay. you yeah, can yeah, still yeah. absolutely be a steal at twelve. You can. So the tournament courts that kicks off very shortly. Obviously, we're not massive fans of the tournament. It's basically games in the season anyway, though, so they count towards the season. But I don't know if you've seen the courts. I think the Spurs court might be one of the most hideous of the lot. Yeah. <laughs> if not, I, I have noticed the Spurs oh, court. Terrible. I've got a few notes. I, I don't mind the idea. It's you know kind of the same as the City Edition jerseys. It's just the execution in a number of these situations it just isn't there. You know they've gone for the fifty-two eighty on the Denver edition. They've got a decent design for Boston, but it's the wrong shade of green. You know things like that. There's a few that I like though. The Brooklyn idea, simple and effective. The Lakers court looks really nice. The Magic one was pretty good from memory. Magic one was okay. Utah, as always, spectacular. Always on point with the color scheme. Basically, any of the ones that haven't tried to manufacture something. Like, why the Spurs don't have Fiesta colors and why they've decided to choose the Tower of Americas. To yeah, be. that's terrible. That hasn't had anything to do with the Spurs organization yeah. at all. Yeah. So I don't understand that. It's all shit. 
did you see the Sacramento Kings one? It basically looks like the English Premier League lion. I don't know if you well, Yeah, that. it does. Yeah. Or the Barclays Bank lion as yeah, well. Yeah. You know, oh, the sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. 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 So it's, it, that's a weird one. Yeah. That, I immediately thought that when I saw that. Yeah. 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 The sun's going for that El Valle logo. Oh, yeah, yeah. The hideous mix of purple and teal. Those colors cannot go together. No. It just doesn't make any sense. The next one looks really good, except for the double print. I don't know if you saw that. Was... Oh, I've seen them all, but I can't. It's been a few days. Yeah. So they've got Nick's in black and then Nick's in white, and it kind of looks almost like 3D. Oh, okay. I can't remember who it was, but I saw someone tweet about that on the jerseys saying, does the crowd get to keep the 3D glasses at the end of the game or do they have to <laughs> give them back? No. So, like, I'm all for doing something, but just keep it a little bit more simple. That, that's all I've got to say on it. No, fair enough. In the court of public opinion, the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups, the athletes, administrators, and media personalities who make questionable decisions, and the armchair critics, who most likely will have little discernible athletic talent, but will pass judgment anyways. These are their stories. Ladies and gentlemen, the Court of Public Opinion is now in session. The Honourable Mr. Black. Now presiding. Uh, yes, very good. Yes, the uh, docket for Mr. Black is full again. And thank you, Judge Stewart. We will be relying on your thoughts as well. So the background or charge to this one. Following Damian Lillard's debut with the Bucks, where he had 39-8-4, by the way, the most points ever by a Bucks debutant in history, in a 118-117 win over Philly, SportsCenter's Twitter tweeted an interview where he said, I told you when I first came here, I said I didn't come here to waste my time. Now, makes sense. That's fair enough and seems like an interesting response, which is probably why they used it. The problem was that they used the footage and audio following Dame's 61.8 assist, five rebound performance while a Portland Trailblazer went in the bubble in a win over the Mavs. I guess I should also say they altered the court, they altered the jersey, they altered the microphone because previously it was someone holding it, whereas they made it to look like a boom mic. So they made all these alterations digitally to try and, I think, pass it off as a current quote after the first game as a buck. People claimed in the comments that they'd been hiding responses that had called them out. And even more ironically, ESPN's Pablo Torre literally released an episode for his podcast for his series, Pablo Torre Finds Out. And I don't know if you've seen it, but heard it, but it's worth a listen. I have not. Called What You Should Know About Artificial Intelligence a day or two later. Finally, after they'd been called out for it, ESPN had released a statement which was shared by Sports Media Watch we occasionally look to connect sports moments of the past with contemporary imagery and storylines as part of our social content. While it was never our intention to misrepresent anything for fans, we completely recognise how this instance has caused confusion. Hmm, no apology there. A case for the prosecution, I guess? Casey Sager, yes, the daughter of former broadcaster Craig, may he rest in peace. I quote, this is so fucking embarrassing. You are actively harming this entire industry. No wonder no one takes any of this seriously anymore. At Retep Adam, this is wildly irresponsible journalism, just FYI. At John Krauss Photos, man, ESPN used to be good. At Hasty McNasty, LOL, SportsCenter was a clown contest before this, but this is just sad. ESPN is also a joke. It goes on and on. Young NBA, why hasn't this totally irresponsible post been deleted yet? Eric J. Hovland, about times you guys got community noted, which they did. Money Green 405, Dame got soundbite of the year, on and on. Now, for the defense, I don't even have any quotes in support of this. There are a couple of responses here and there that didn't to see, didn't seem to see a major problem with it. 
But wow, I have some major misgivings about this. But first, Judge Stewart, what are your thoughts? I'm completely the other side of the fence. I actually, like, don't get me wrong. I think it's a little bit irresponsible, I guess, technically misquoting. But is the message really different from what Dame would be thinking right now? So if we, as you mentioned, we go back to the bubble. They'd just beaten the Mavericks. Dame's dropped 61. He'd had 51 the previous game against Philly, had 42 the following game. That was very much the message. We, as the Portland Trailblazers, didn't want to just come here to make up the numbers. We were here to basically do some great things. He was talking about the the whole idea that they wanted to come down there and win. And I don't think the message is any different in Milwaukee. I think the reason that he came there was because he realized staying in Portland, there is no chance that I'm going to win a championship. Although he did rescind his trade, apparently, when they weren't going to send him to Miami, his request. True. But anyway. But, you know, he knows that Milwaukee is a team that has every possibility of winning a championship. Now, admittedly, they haven't started amazingly. They lost to Atlanta and Toronto in the last few days. But they're a team that on paper should be there or thereabouts come conference finals time. And so I think if you look at that side of things, is it really too far off the mark in terms of how Dane probably feels right now? Probably not. But I think the concern is that it does kind of create... I don't know, kind of like a bit of a gray area legally. There's already been talks that Scarlett Johansson's going to be suing for unauthorized use of her likeness using AI. So it, it kind of creates a little bit of a, a worry there. Look, I'm really, really keen to see what your thoughts are. You're a little bit more legally minded than oh, I am. I'm terrified. This is terrifying. This is the tip of the iceberg with AI technology. And without regulation, it's going to run rampant. Now, we won't talk more broadly about society, but if sports organizations are doing this, what are news organizations doing? And what are unscrupulous news organizations doing? And while I agree with you that he probably, it probably echoes the thoughts that he feels, how how would he feel being misquoted? And I unfortunately I haven't found anything about that. And I'll continue to look. And if I find something, I'll mention it in, in future episodes. But how would you feel if you were misquoted or taken out of context? And, and this is where it, it's such an interesting sort of thing because I guarantee if you asked Dame how he felt about his time in Milwaukee and his decision to come there, the quote that they've actually used for him is probably as apt as it gets. It's more which makes it even more nefarious in some ways because they have intended to mislead, in my opinion. A little bit. I mean, if if it was him in front of that mic and he basically said, you know, I like big butts and I cannot lie, or something completely different to I guess what most would I think fairly safely assume is his current opinion about the reason that he came to Milwaukee and his thoughts about being in Milwaukee. Like I get where you're coming from, but I, I think it's terrifying. I think it's wildly irresponsible. And I think ESPN should be raked over the coals for it. I think it's really bad. I do think it's And the fact that they didn't have sorry to jump in, no, but no. I'm passionate about this shit. Good. The the fact that they didn't apologize leads yeah, yeah. leads to me to think that they didn't think they did anything wrong. And again, that's terrifying too for the implications for society because the gatekeepers if they're making decisions like this in fairly innocuous things, what are they doing in things with much higher stakes? And that's obviously the concern is I think in this particular instance, I don't actually think we're too far away from the same side here. Though. Like I think in this particular instance, in this context, I don't think they've missed the mark by too much in terms of what he would actually say, but obviously not running it past him first, not going, Hey, do you mind if we do this? But also why? Like what did it add? So the amount of time and and energy that went into doing all this editing and the rendering and like, it it didn't even really offer much. Here's an idea. 
Fucking interview him. Yeah. Go to the actual source. Go to the human being. It's not like he's unavailable. I find it amazing. Nate, are you trying to tell me that in your line of work, you've never looked at something that someone's done in your, you know, your your entire area and gone, that's a bit of a waste of time and money. Like you probably could have used those resources. Oh, of course, sure. Like everyone has someone where you've gone, ah, oh, sure. Oh, there's always busy work. There's always people spinning their wheels. Yeah, but this is this is. It's one thing, I don't know, I don't even think this really added much, do you know what I mean? And so that's kind of makes it even more head-scratching because yeah. uh, it's just look, a waste of look, time. It's, you, what would you call it? Moderately negligent? I, I don't know. There's are there, there's probably no real damages in this instance, I don't know, but I just think there's the potential, obviously, as you've mentioned, you know, this kind of opens a can of worms and a free-for-all. Oh, and once the toothpaste is out of the tube, you cannot put it back in. Well, you, and that's you, the mean, thing. You can. It's really, not all of it. It's really, really awkward. <laughs> and you do generally yeah, very un- you end yeah. it with minty flavor, yeah, yeah, yeah. which yeah, yeah, yeah. Minty, minty fingers aren't the worst thing in the world. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a dangerous slope. And I think whilst this particular quote maybe isn't like it's not the worst thing in the world. It's not like yeah. he, it's not like he said, oh, you know, I, I love to grab him by the pussy or anything like stupid that Trump <laughs> that Trump would have said. The potential is what is scary for me. So I, I agree with you on that one. I, I don't think it should be done. I, I think without consent, it shouldn't be done. And I think it's wildly unethical. Right. Well, yeah. based on this. So case, they're guilty. You, I was going to say, you are the presiding judge. You can make. No, well, yeah. no, 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 there's no jury on this one. This is one of those ones. That's <laughs> it's such only, yeah. Yeah. So I think I think you can decide. because you You're guilty, ESPN. Your standards have been dropping. They continue to drop. I'm very disappointed. We'll be appealing. <laughs> So we'll jump to the NBL now, Stewie. We try not to be the Perth show, but Perth's one of the headlines at the moment. It's the only headline, really. Yeah, well, apart from the teams that are doing well. Obviously, Melbourne's looking very good and Brisbane's looking real good lately. They've won their last three on the trot, if I'm not mistaken. So, but anyway, the Wildcats was far away. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a few things to talk about. Obviously, a huge amount of pressure coming towards John Reilly. There's a huge talk about Hutchie and the entire SEN group that are owning the Wildcats. Bryce Cotton's wife, Rachel, has gone on social media and put a, a fairly decent post, I have to say. I don't... Yeah, I've got I'm, the quote here. I Do you want to start there? Yeah, may as well. Okay, so when there's no system within the team and the players don't have clear roles, not one player has been reliable at the job that they're meant to do. It's pretty hard to thrive when you're the most heavily scouted player in the league. Now, it must be said that I think this was a private group and someone screenshotted it. Yep. But nothing is private in this world with that ability to screenshot. If you don't want people to see things, don't put them down. Uh, now, maybe well, she didn't. Maybe she didn't want people to see things. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's that's probably a half truth. Yeah. Like it's one of those things you put it out there knowing that there's a fair chance. Well, I mean, what do you make of that? Oh, I think it's probably true. <laughs> I think it's probably true. And I think it's probably what Bryce feels. Let's face it, she's probably echoing what Bryce has said to it. Right. I want to run you through something that. I haven't actually seen anybody look at properly in depth. Let's look at the other imports for every Wildcats team since Bryce Cotton entered the NBL. Okay. So first season, Casey Prather, Jamil McKay. Second season, Derek Cook, JP Tokoto. Then Tariko White the following season. Miles Plumley and Tariko White in 2019. You had a couple of seasons of John Mooney. Then you've got Michael Frazier and Vic Law, Tayshawn Thomas and Brady Manick last season, and Jordan Usher and Christian Doolittle this season. Now, if you look at 2016 to 2021, 
with the exception of Casey Prather, who, let's be honest, he was spectacular. He was borderline MVP. Oh, he was until Bryce kind of took the baton and run on with it to lead us to a championship. Yes, I use the French pronunciation. <laughs> Nicolas Baton. <laughs> but if you look at the rest of these guys, right up until 2021, you know, guys like John Mooney, Tariko White, all of these guys were secondary guys, guys that were happy to play off ball, let Bryce kind of be the, the ball dominant guy. Well, there's a lot of misses there, really. Let's let's say it, hey? Like Mooney, I mean... Mooney was awesome. Mooney and White were the, probably the good ones. Uh, Plumley and... and Plumley and Tariko White worked really well in the championship. Yeah, and Plumley and Cook did the, did the perform their role as bigs. But even even Vic Law didn't turn out. But that's that's kind of where I feel like the whole tide turned. So Vic Law comes in. He's a ball stopper. He's a very, very ball-dominant player. The ball comes to him. He's looking for his shot. Brady Manick last season didn't get many assists. He was very much, if he had even half of... A... He didn't live up. Let's face it. Let's call a spade a spade. He did not live up to his potential. He, he didn't. But again, if he got half of an inch of space, he was taking his shot. Jordan Usher is probably even worse than both of those guys as a ball stopper. Oh, his shot selection is just terrible. It is. Some of those threes and the timing as well. Yep. Like we haven't scored for a couple of minutes and we're desperate for some execution and he just takes a three from a metre behind. The... Very frustrating. Yep. And he kind of got benched in that Brisbane game. He did. As a result of it. He played about 17 minutes. Yeah. But then you add in Corey Webster, obviously. It, look, it's well documented that he's a guy who likes a shot as well. So all of a sudden, you've got a number of guys in the team who are very, very keen on their own offense. I mean, Alex Saar has one eye on the NBA, so there's no surprise that he's potentially looking at his own game. But I feel like he's been hard done. I, I think he has. I think. I feel like he should be starting. Yeah. I, I'd be pissed if I were him. He's not being used properly. Well, he's, he's not. And I've said, he's a tall guy. Put him in the post, run a pick and roll through him play inside out, do anything that isn't just come down and jack up as many threes or as many long twos as we can. There's no amazing screen setters left in the team. You look at guys like Damian Martin, Greg Hire, younger Jesse Wagstaff, Matty Knight, you know, a lot of these guys that set really good screens. It's just, it's a hideously constructed team. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah, there's there's a lack of distinction between stars and role players. Yeah. Whereas, as you say, or as you kind of alluded to, in previous iterations recently, there was a pretty clear delineation of the pecking order yep. and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. That's yep. it. You know, guys like John Moon and Nick Kay is another really great example oh, as well. Superstar for in, us. Incredible yeah. player. But again, he didn't force the offense. He didn't say it has to go through me. He if, played within his limitations. Yeah, yeah. If he gets a wide open three at the top of the key, he's taking it and he's making a good percentage. If you get him down low and he's got half a, a decent sort of look at a shot, he will take it but he's not trying to look at me first. I need to get my looks. I need to get my shots. And that's, I think, the big difference is there's just too many ball stoppers in this team. Yeah, I agree. So the Hutchie quotes, I'll read these and we can dissect them. The feedback has been really robust and pretty blunt, and that's the right of the fans. I've read every bit of correspondence. He goes on. I've kind of cut this into three different parts. There is a lot of time on our hands. There are 21 games to go, and it's early into a new team that's finding its cohesion. If you look back to the Sydney Kings, their first premiership two or three years ago, they started three and six with a similarly talented roster who took some time to find their chemistry. few issues there. Yeah, the three and six Sydney Kings added Ian Clark. And not only that, we, we don't call them premierships in the NBL. True. Clearly well, yeah, from that... football media. And was he talking about their first? Because obviously that wasn't their first. It was their first of two. So we'll give him a pass on that one. But as Nick Tan mentioned on Twitter, 
not a good idea to invoke the Sydney Kings to the Wildcats base. <laughs> yeah, well, there was <laughs> a red rag to the ball. There is absolutely that. I, I just, I don't know. I just, I look at that and I say that there's no, I don't know. You, you can try and draw some sort of comparison between the two, but that Sydney Kings team had injuries. And as I said, they then, they then brought in Clark who was the difference. Who was absolutely the difference yeah. in that final series. He was yeah. a, a spectacular player and he kind of gave that balance to the other imports who were both doing a really great job, but you know, he was that extra piece that just kind of pushed them over. The oh top. yeah. He was there. So I don't think that there's any likelihood that we're going to bring in a player of that caliber, unless we're getting rid of Doolittle and we don't know about it, but. Well, you should potentially get rid of Usher before Doolittle. Uh, potentially, yeah. The way things are going. I think there's every right of the team to kind of want that, you know, get a player who's maybe happier, kind of like a Plumley or like a, a Nick Kay or a John Moody. Alternatively, you know, yeah, yeah. One of those sorts of guys, but... Or just a pure point guard who isn't too interested in their shot. Yeah. Now, look, don't get me wrong. I, Hutchie has to say that. He can't turn around and go, you know what? The players are right. John really is not the guy for the job. And the players that we've put on this team are not right. Well, that's right. What can he do? Like not say anything or... Yeah, uh, yeah you're absolutely right. If he doesn't say anything, it basically... Affirms, you're damned if you do, yeah, you're damned it, if you It affirms what the, what the fans are all saying. If he says this, everyone pushes back on him and says, oh, what are you talking about? You don't know anything. And it, look, it further pushes the point that I made a while back that I honestly believe conspiracy theory that the SEM thing was just a ploy by the league to bring the Wildcats down. I think they've done an amazing job. Uh, did you see that Coast Gomo has been promoted to lead assistant in Utah, speaking of Wildcats coaching or former coaching? Jeez, are they tanking as well, are they? <laughs> mm. You got anything else in the NBA? I don't have a lot this week. Obviously, the NBA kicking off and the Cricket World Cup going on. I Just a little bit more. I just kind of wanted to talk a, a little bit more about John Reilly before we oh, sorry. Of, yeah, yeah. move on. Yep. Like, I understand, obviously, that there's there's kind of this whole we've got to stand behind him and got to let him see out the season all that sort of stuff there's no flow to the offense there's no preaching of defense we lost the rebounding count again by seven to a brisbane team without aaron baines who by the way started 17-3 in perth yep prompting the crowd to boo yeah now people are saying it's the first time they've heard the wildcats but i remember in the challenge days there were some boos occasionally people have short memories they just weren't as loud because yeah maybe yeah true true but uh, we, we've spoken to Robbie from Throwback Hoops. Shout out to them. Welcome home, Woody, by the way. Indeed. Rebounding is an effort thing. Guys have to get down and dirty. They've got to rebound. But it's also the fundamentals. Box out, put a body on a guy. It's simple shit. Yeah. But as a coach, that's what you've got to be preaching. Yeah. Guys, we're struggling. I need more effort in this regard. And that's the, the simple thing you've got to do. The other thing that, you know, I've spoken to my old man. Now, he is very much... You know, shouting at clouds. He, he's not. He's not as happy as he once was, and I, and I, I get that. <laughs> Teams have been playing Bryce Cotton a lot more physically than they have. We saw Ben Eyre do that in the South East Melbourne games. Shea Ily and Delhi have always been physical. Uh, one of the things that Trevor Gleeson used to do so well, he would push the referees on that stuff right to the line of a tech foul. Crossed it a few times, obviously, but yeah, sometimes you need to. But Bryce got looked after, and he he got a lot of calls, and he's not getting those calls this season. You can see that he's frustrated. And, you know, that's where... I it was think, born out in the stats. Yeah, and I think that's where John really is frustrating me a little bit as well, is he's just kind of standing back going, oh, well, we'll see what happens. Given SEN's woes financially, I'd be very surprised if really is sacked this season. Well, he, they, they can't, that's the problem. So, yeah. Just one other thing as well. Ben Henschel, 24 points in 24 minutes against Southeast Melbourne. Since then, he's played 24 minutes, 52. 
who DNP CDs in his last two games. Why is he being buried? Yeah, there's some weird stuff going on with the. We talked about Sar as well, Jesse Wag stuff for his 450th. It's, it's a weird one. Yeah, it is. It, it is. is. Weird. All right, so what have you got for other bits and pieces? I've just got one other thing off the court. Now, the Jack Jumpers finally did something wrong. As we know, they're kind of the team that seem to punch above their weight and do no wrong. I can say this, yeah. Yeah, so this is with the Indigenous jerseys. So I've got a statement here from Ruler Kelly Mansell from Ruler Music. Now, it is a little bit lengthy, and I have kind of cut it down. It's still quite lengthy. Last week, the Jack Jumpers organisation was notified that this year's 2023 Indigenous Guernsey has been plagiarised as well as breaking culture protocol and cultural law. I met with the CEO, Christine Finnegan, and the community manager, Francis Lockhart, on the 26th of the 10th, 23, to outline the mistakes. Initially, I was bribed by the CEO for financial compensation made off the Guernsey, suggesting profit be donated to the TAC, which is the Tasmanian Aboriginal Centre, as a solution, something I declined as stating, this is a matter of culture, integrity, and ethics. She goes on, in the meeting, I learned the club's internal process to select a Guernsey did not have any Aboriginal representation, nor did they consult with any Aboriginal persons on the selection of the artwork. Uh, I'll fast forward one more time. For the Jack Jumpers organisation to uh, organisations, sick, to sell this year's Guernsey would be exploiting our culture, condoning plagiarism and sending a clear message that our culture, our people, our protocols and law isn't important. This happens too often and culture suffers. I, along with many others from our community, have had enough. It stops now. If you're going to do these things, do them right. Yeah. That's basically the long and short of it. I don't really have much else to say. No, I'm just trying to figure out what's worse, them or the city jerseys. That the... <laughs> no, no, look, honestly, no, I shouldn't. Don't want to make light of this. Obviously, it's an incredible initiative that the league, and not, not just the NBL, but obviously the AFL and several leagues, and yeah. number of leagues around the, the, the beautiful country that we call home have done a great job with this sort of thing. But yeah, it is disappointing to hear that something as simple as not keeping consulting yeah, yeah the, the local indigenous people involved in this process it's it's not difficult and yeah it looks disappointing and i think now tassie aren't going to be wearing one yeah that's that's right so they have they have stepped away from that yeah. so yeah we'll look at nbl more obviously we're pretty focused on the world cup too which we'll get to in a moment we do, we will just a couple other quick hits i guess for me around the nbl this got brought up again in our little private chat with the throwback boys. When do we start scrutinizing the breakers? They're one and four kind of cut them a little bit of slack because of the travel, but they kind of have to beat Cairns this week at home. There's a few must win games for a few teams this weekend, I think. And yeah, I, I, I don't know. I haven't had a chance to listen to their most recent episode yet. I have a feeling they might've talked about that. It does seem to be a bit of a talking point. Obviously there was the NBL NBA. There's been the injury to cheat them, but Yeah. Not good. But it is. It's an exciting time. I love how even the whole season is. I had Brisbane right near the bottom of the table. They're now five and four. They had a big win over Southeast Melbourne tonight. Well, Nathan Sobey's in career form. And this is after I said a couple of years ago, we've probably know what we're getting out of him. He's yeah. magnificent. So. Uh, I mean, they had seven guys in double figures tonight. Baines, With Baines off the bench. Baines yeah. 12 and eight in 14 minutes, which is just, yeah, just incredible. They kind of all seem to be buying into whatever the hell's going on in the coaching rooms. It's it's really, really impressive. I, yeah, I love it. They've had three really good wins in consecutive fashion. Yep. And then all of a sudden, they're now equal with Southeast Melbourne for top four, which is exciting. You know, it's not what we expected. I think we all expected New Zealand and Perth to be up there. They're struggling, both of them. We expected Brisbane, maybe to a lesser extent, Cairns to be struggling. They're both up in that top four range. So it's, yeah, it's an exciting time. 
and Adelaide Perth this weekend. So begins to get really tough for the loser of that game. We owe those motherfuckers some, <laughs> some revenge after what they did to us last uh, time. That's not fair. Adelaide's lovely. So the Cricket World Cup's been on for nearly a month now, Shuey. There's some interesting things going on. Uh, I wanted to retire the phrase minnow, but uh, England are minnows. No, <laughs> they'll probably beat us on Saturday now. They will. We'll get there. There's been two Aussie wins since we last recorded, but not all is puppies and rainbows, as I mentioned in the introduction. Maxie and Marshy. So Glenn Maxwell has fallen off a gulp buggy and Mitch Marsh has come home for family reasons. A what buggy? A golf buggy. I thought you said gulp. Oh. <laughs> it sounded like gulp buggy. It's a really weird one, this. So my whole issue with it is... So the, the whole story is basically they finished playing golf. They're in Ahmedabad. They've played this beautiful course. Apparently after the round, there weren't enough golf carts to take them back to the team bus. It's a 300-metre trip, a whopping 300 metres, and not quite enough seats for everyone on the carts provided. And they've just gone, you know what, Maxie, just grab onto the back. We'll drive you over there. Ugh. It's 300 metres. Just walk it. Seriously. Not that far. Maybe one of the blokes that hasn't played a match yet should be uh, given that that spot. That's another thought as well. <laughs> it's one of these things, like 99% of the time, there'll be no issues, but we're playing a World Cup. And Maxie's been in amazing form. Exactly. Incredible. And, and that Netherlands knock was nuts. It was. Absolutely nuts. And the thing is, as you mentioned, you know, England have been kind of the minnows, but you think about it, A, they want to get off the bottom of the ladder, and B, they fucking hate us. Well, plus this tournament has implications on the Champions League trophy, which has implications on future World Cup, if it happens. Well, I was going to say, yeah, if it happens. There's some interesting stuff about that that we'll, we'll get to in future weeks. We'll try and get Woody on again now that he's back, I think, and we can maybe at the end of the World Cup we'll talk about it all holistically. Well, we let him celebrate the India win probably. Yeah, well, it's yeah. looking pretty likely. Yeah. A couple of England stats, though. First time in World Cup history, a defending champion has lost five games. And first time in World Cup history for the blokes this is. Uh, a team has been bowled out in under 35 overs three different times in the same tournament. Wow. So now they'll go ahead and beat oh, us on well, Saturday, well, won't they? Let's talk about England then. Because it's, it's probably a good place to start. As much as yeah, we want to be all pro-Aussie, it's a good place to start, especially because England is struggling. Obviously, that makes it a lot easier. Yes. The biggest question I've got for you right off the bat, do you think Ben Stokes coming in has ruined the preparation for England? Yeah, it was a bit... It must have played a part, I think. And apparently there's been some contract issues too that... I think has been weighing on the minds of the players too. So there's been a bit of off-field stuff that is probably affecting their concentration. Yeah. But also they they didn't apparently after they won it in 2019, they kind of rested on their laurels and didn't continue to think about the ODI matches. Obviously they've got that abomination that is the hundred in England on top of all the other formats. So they're putting time and resources into other things. Mm. Yeah. Well, the the reason I bring that up is obviously there's a bit of chatter around Joe Root kind of, I think, wants to be captain again. Oh, there's camps, yeah. You've got Joss Butler who's trying to lead the side. Stokes comes back in. He's the test captain. Like, you've got three different, yeah, camps effectively is probably a good word for it that kind of all want to have their say. And, And we kind of remember the murmurs when Steve Smith came back from the suspension. Or camps with the Langer thing, for example, you know? Yeah, Yeah, it it does happen. It it did. It felt like Smitty wanted to be captain again. But here, you know, you've got three different guys for England all of a sudden. And, and, you know, they're already without Joffre Archer, who is probably one of the scariest bowlers when he's fit. He's not quite ready yet. And, you know, had it been maybe a few months later, he might have played. But I think if you look at it holistically, you know, the batting's been woeful. 
David Milan, 17th on the run scorers table. He's the only Pong in the top 25. We are, yeah. Which is not great. Well, when you're being bowled out in under 35 overs, it makes sense. It does. Their bowling hasn't been much better. Reese Topley's probably been the pick of the bowlers for England. He's yeah, out. he got injured, yeah. yeah. He broke his finger <laughs> and he's out for the rest of the World Cup. There have been some casualties, haven't there? They have. Kane Williamson, it's, it's, it's a shame. Yeah. But it is a long tournament. The most concerning part, I think, if you're an English fan, is just how few of these games haven't even been close. You know, they lost to South Africa by 229. They lost to India by 100 in the one game they actually bowled well. They lost to Afghanistan by 69 runs. Eight wicket loss to Sri Lanka. Nine wicket loss to New Zealand. These games are just not even close. No, it's amazing. It really is. And as we've said, watch them beat Australia now. Yeah, probably. Yeah, makes sense. Now, I do have a quote here on the maxi injury, Marcus Stoinis. It's unfortunate. It was one of those things. Unfortunately, it happened with boys being boys to an extent. It's hard. I mean, it's like you need a mum on tour. Well, <laughs> I mean, considering the injury that he had previously as well, which I think a lot of us speculated was fueled by alcohol. Yeah. Maybe he does. But <laughs> it just feels like it's three steps forward, two steps back with the Aussies. Whenever we start to gain a bit of momentum, something happens. Now, obviously, if Marsh has personal reasons, fair enough. Now, he said he's got to come back and help us win the bloody thing. So so apparently that won't be a replacement. Well, he did that in the T20 World Cup. Yeah, so. it's true. It's true. All we right. won't be playing Pakistan, though. All right. Well, do we want to look at the two wins since then? Is it or is it worth even talking about? I mean, obviously, destroyed the Dutch. Oh, some magnificent knocks. And <laughs> knocks at the top and then knocks by Maxwell. Yeah. Some of those shots behind square were just incredible. Like, how much absolutely feel, incredible. How much do you feel for Bazda later? Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. I know. It broke Adam Zampa and Mick Lewis's unwanted record. And Mick Lewis was very happy about that too, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, obviously it was what it was. We bowled and batted out of our skin that day. It was just it was an incredible win. The New Zealand game was a fun one though, wasn't it? Oh, it was magnificent. Yeah, finally match of the tournament, went down to the wire. Jeez, they gave us a scare, didn't they? I, I thought we had it won, but... Whew. I've seen this a couple of times with the Aussies where we have this incredible opening partnership and... We kind of fade away later in the innings and kind of fall short, maybe 40 or 50 runs short of what we could have. Now, I know you look at it as we're building in innings. Well, no, but I also, as I keep saying, is uh, uh, collapses has been one of the characteristics of this World Cup. Yeah. And look, to put it into perspective, 388 against a New Zealand side is incredible. It should be defendable. It was a small ground. But none. How was that divot that Marshy left oh, up there? Disgusting. What a disgrace. That was disgusting. Yeah. But none as I tweeted, I think it touched the Earth's core. Just well, it a bit. basically did, yeah. So none for 175 off 19 overs. You'd want to be eyeing up 420, 430. And just that 30 to 40. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It yeah. keeps New Zealand in the game. They've got a very dangerous batting line. They've found an absolute cracker in Rachin Ravindra. What a knock. He's been brilliant. Daryl Mitchell's had a good tournament. Devin Conway's been decent. Latham, Phillips, and Nisham in that middle order. That's tough. Well, they'd had a bloody good tournament. Prior, well, I mean, included in that match, they only lost narrowly. Yeah. By the way, did Stark bowl a uh, above waist full toss at the end there? I didn't see that. Oh, I have a feeling he might have. Yeah, okay. yeah, I think we might have dodged the bullet a little bit. Manus was magnificent in the field. We saved a lot of runs in the field at the end, which we is did. why we won. Yeah, but I have to say, like that's going back to Starkey. That's the thing that kind of worries me about this team. There's no one that I would feel comfortable throwing the ball to defend twelve runs off the last over of a big game. Like, who would you give it to? 
Stark. Well, in today's day and age, 12 is very gettable, isn't it? Well, it, I mean, Stark had 19, and you, you kind of felt like he was getting away from him. After those five wides, you thought, oh, yeah, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. It just didn't feel great. So I, I don't know. I just worry. You look at India, and that's the reason I think India will win it, because they've got two or three guys that can probably bowl those final overs. You know, Shami and Bumrah in particular. Um, well, Shami was a replacement. They have some selection issues now. Hardik Panya's going to come back. He's going at 8.38. They have to keep him in. They have to. He's less than nine with the ball at the moment. Yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. He's bowled some very good spells. So, yeah, I mean, and that's the other thing is that they then have the flexibility that if they need extra batting, they bring in Pandya, who's a decent... Well, it's an all-rounder. Decent death bowler as well. Yeah, yeah. Has a decent sort of change-up. Obviously, he can score 100 off 50. Yep. So... Yeah, I don't know. I I just like, again though single game elimination. Oh look, India probably almost want to drop one prior to the semis. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, mate, I will go back on what I said last week. I absolutely I double down that India are by far the favourite. I will maybe add South Africa to that list. I think. Oh, absolutely. In a one-off, they're very very capable, but. I just I don't like anyone's chances except India. The choking stuff might come back in for South Africa. I am pissed. I've just realised that I'm on a work trip for both semi-finals, so I probably won't see either. Where whereabouts are you? Uh Singapore and Malaysia, one each, I think. Mm, yeah, it's yeah. Probably, probably a little bit too. Far. I mean, the time difference th- is okay, but I might be able to see some. I just but couldn't remember if you were in Dubai. I was like, no, 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 quick, I think, quick no. flight down. No, I won't but, be in Dubai. No, no good. Actually. No good. No. Did you see baseball's been added to the Collins Dictionary, a style of cricket in which the batting side attempts to gain the initiative by playing in a highly aggressive manner? Mm. Manus said that it was rubbish. Was there? I don't a, think he understood what they were asking. Was, was there a was there a separate definition underneath morals? That, yeah, that basically talked about winning a series two all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. moral victories. Mm, yes. Oh, and Damien Martin, I saw tweeted, he's like, Australia's been doing this for 30 years. <laughs> Something to that effect. Exactly. Matthew Hayden, Adam Gilchrist, <laughs> yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, good times. And then I guess. Hats off to Afghanistan. After every single team had played six matches, they were fifth on the table with three wins. Fantastic. Look, I wish I could say that I've seen a lot of the Afghanistan games. It's incredible, though, to see them getting results. This is a nation, when you look at it, they were one win and 14 losses in their previous two World Cups. That one win was a single-wicket win against Scotland. So yeah, not which e- I mentioned last week. Not exactly a massive name in the game. But that's that's why I thought their upset over, over England was the best ever. Yeah, look, it's up there, definitely. But yeah, they've now beaten England, Pakistan and Sri Lanka. They're doing it in different ways as well. So they beat Sri Lanka with the ball, they beat Pakistan with the bat, and they beat England with both, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, they did. So, no, it's exciting. And going back to what you said in the previous episode, we really do need to get rid of the term minnow. Yeah, yeah, yep. Apart from England. Well, I mean, (laughs) you know. like too easy, low-hanging fruit. No, we do, we do. Every team is capable on their day of beating pretty much anyone. So It's great. I mean, and again, well... Cricket, no Zimbabwe, no West Indies. This yeah. is fantastic. So it is, you know. I mean, every side has won a game, and that <laughs> never happened before. I don't think. Uh, look, it may not have. I don't think it has. If it has, maybe once or twice. But yeah, look, it's it's incredible to see. I mean, the Dutch they've won a couple of games. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. It's, yeah. It's they just, have players, man. They have some players. It's very very cool. Tweet of the week or one of the tweets of the week goes to Jeff Lemon Sport. South Africa batting first, 428, 311, 399, 382. South Africa chasing, 207 all out, 271 for nine. New Zealand, yeah, we'll have a bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> 
sure you know what that music means. Final thoughts time. Nathan, I just had a thought. What the hell did you mean by the Yowie thing? <laughs> so, okay, apparently the photo is actually from a little while ago, but there was this boar that had been split in half and both parts of it were like a good few metres away from each other, not much blood, and this big giant footprint. And so this guy, Yowies are Australia's answer to Bigfoot. This guy reckons there's a Yowie in Queensland. There you go. We'll there never you go. that. Look at a decent sports team name, actually. Yeah. Yowies or Bunyips. There you go. Anyway, until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm Stu. We are the Sport Blokes.